1: All right. Well, welcome back to Training for Manhood. Uh, I'm Dan Panetti. I'm getting to host this uh, conversation about what it means to be a man and how to get there. Right. We're not just describing it. We're prescribing it. Right. So we're not just giving you things to uh, to think about, but actually things to do. Uh, we want you to put into action um, these uh, these ideas and these concepto- concepts of what it means to be a man. Uh, and for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking to Gabe Boyd, um, just a great guy that I get to work with uh, as he as he trains boys into men. Right. That's literally his job. It's kind of cool. Um, but as he trains boys into men. Right. He uh, he gets to spend some time uh, formulating these concepts of what it means to be a man. Uh, and uh, and in doing that, uh, they prepared um, kind of some some basic principles of manhood. Um, and uh, we've gone through a couple of them. Right. They started out with uh, men speak truth. Right. Which love that. Uh, men serve others. Wait, was that the second one? Yes. Men serve others. Right. Men love deeply. Mm-hmm. Right. It was awesome. Uh, so now we're on to principle number four.
2: That's what is right. It? The fourth principle is men endure joyfully, which just simply means we suffer and we suffer well. We suffer well. We suffer well. Um, it was funny. I was watching a video last night, and, uh, and and a guy was an older gentleman was talking to a bunch of boys around him, uh, and and I didn't get the the full clip of what he said, but this one sentence that he said uh, really really points out exactly what we're talking about right here. And he said, um, "There's no testimony without a test."
1: Ooh,
2: ouch! And I thought. That's good. Man, he, he's absolutely right, right? That, that most of our testimonies, most of our, most of our lives are going to be centered around uh, the, the, the suffering that we've endured and how we made it through. Right? And that if we, can, if we can start to change our perspective on what suffering is or what trials look like or what tests come our way, if we can change the perspective that we have, uh, because we're all going to go through them. The Bible's clear that we're all going to go through some sort of test or trial. Uh, and so if we can change our perspective that when we enter into that, uh, then we can actually do that in a very honoring way. We can do that in a way that um, that signifies that there is hope on the other side. That there is a refinement process going on. That there is a sanctification going on in that process that is actually going to make us better men.
1: Yeah, I, lo- I love that concept. And and you know, I think about when we're talking about we're all going to suffer, right? The, the only thing going through my mind, right, is is the idea that in the world today, it seems like. Um, the desire to not suffer is the goal of life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To be so uh, immune to uh, anything that bad that's going on, right? And, you know, as I, as, I, as I talk to other parents who are raising kids, right, it's almost like the goal of parenting um, is to prevent my kid from suffering. And I'm like, okay, that, that's a bad place to be, right. right? Because you're not allowing them to go through tests and trials, right, that Scripture says, right, actually have an impact in your life, right? That that you're going to go through various trials, right? These trials are going to have their perfect work, right? They're mm-hmm. going to produce in you perseverance. They're going to produce in you character, right. right? I think about- um, Which leads to hope. Which leads to hope, right. right? Which leads to the whole idea, right, that you can uh, begin to- Walk through the valley of the shadow of death with the idea that you don't you don't live in it. That's right. right. You walk through it. That's right. And then one day you give out, get out. Uh, I think about there's a, a young boy at our school, right, mm-hmm. who passed away a number of years ago. He had cancer diagnosed when he was like three or four years old. Died yeah. when he was. Um, do you remember how old he was? Like ten or eleven. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was about the same age as, as uh, one of my boys. And so, um, you know, we, we got to kind of watch him, uh, you know, walk through a difficult time and his family walk through a difficult time. And as his dad was talking about just what a a profound experience it was, you know, for this young man and for everybody around. Right. He talked about how it developed what he called a struggle muscle. Yeah. Right. And, you know, he's got the struggle muscle and just a lot of our kids don't develop that. That's right. Right. And so what what we're saying is, as, as a young person, you need to learn to endure joyfully and develop that struggle muscle. Right. One, um, not to avoid struggle, right, because struggle is going to come, right. temptations and trials and tribulations and all the different things are going to happen, right, so that you can go through it in a way that's different than somebody else. That's right. Right. That you can show people that there's a, there's a hope, right, that this life is not the only one, right. I know, I know people who have um, a lifelong struggle right? That, mm-hmm. that it's not going to end until this body that they're in, right, right is, is gone and, and, and done away with, right? Uh, a lot of people, um, you know, they, they struggle through a certain period, right, for a particular time, right? And then they come out of that. And that's what everybody wants is to come out of it. And I think the idea that, that you're trying to give young people is, right, you endure joyfully regardless of all, how long the trial is. Right. That right. It's, it's your attitude in the midst of it. If it's a day, right? It's your attitude. If it's a year, right? If it's 70 years, Right. The, the idea of being able to endure that joyfully is what it means to be a man.
2: Absolutely. You know, I, I think um, and I think what's so cool about this is that when, when you start to change your perspective of those trials, it allows you more confidence to enter into them um, in, in a more hope filled way. Right. And what's amazing is that this this has a profound impact on the people around you as they witness you go through these trials. Uh, I can remember several years ago, um, my wife and I invited uh, a girl that I that I was working with uh, to church with us one day. Uh, And so we go to church and afterwards we take her out to lunch and stuff. You know, We do the whole lunch thing. And I can remember we went to this this restaurant and it was really, really crowded. And it was in this really awkward part of kind of a downtown area where there just wasn't a whole lot of parking. Uh, And so I noticed a whole bunch of people parking across the street in kind of this field. And I thought, oh, well, hey, yeah, that looks like a good idea. Uh, And so I go and I park in this field and we go inside and we wait. And then we finally get to sit down and eat. And about 30 minutes into our, our meal, somebody from the restaurant comes in and a real loud voice says, hey, if you're parked over there, they're towing cars. Oh. And so <laughs> um, I'm like, wait, what? Oh. And so uh, we, exactly. all kinda, we all kind of, we all kind of get up yep. and we start shuffling outside and we come, come to find out that all the cars that were in that field are now gone. And so, um, it was just really interesting, this process of us, okay, now we've got to find out, okay, well, where did our car go? And like, where, where where's the impound at? And so, uh, this was, this turned into like, not just lunch, but actually to an all day event, right? Not to mention an expensive one as I'm trying to get my car out of impound. Uh, and so, but it was amazing because at the end of it, we get our car back and we end up taking this girl, uh, back to our house so she could get in her car and, and just at the end of the day, she was like, I've never seen anyone handle something so calmly and respectfully as you guys did today. And I was like, you know, it it, it, it was my bad. Like, yeah, there was a sign right there. I, sh- I should have not watched what the other people were doing. I shouldn't have cared what they were doing. should have done what was right and not what was easy. And, but you know what? I brought this on myself, but, and I'm okay with that. Right. And so I'm going to I'm going to find a way to have. Okay, so what did I learn from that? Right. Well, I learned to pay attention to the signs uh, and not just fall into the crowd. Right. But through that whole process, it's everybody else is screaming and yelling. Everybody's super upset. And I'm just trying to keep as calm as possible because at the end of the day, I have no one else to blame but myself. You know, and even okay, even if it's your fault. Right. Right. Even if it's not your fault.
1: Right. Let, let, let's say, you know, you, you, you park somewhere and they tow, tow you and it's, it's not your fault. Right. I, I mean, I watch people like literally, I mean, become, you know, other people mm-hmm. when something bad happens to them. Right. And it's somebody else's fault. And, and it's it's amazing how. Right. Just to have the, you know, the grace and the peace and the calmness that, you know, one, if it's your fault. Hey, you know what? Yeah, my, my bad. Right. And, and you kind of go on with life. But if it's somebody else's fault, not to just right point that out to belittle somebody to destroy them, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we we've gone to restaurants, right? And you watch people, you know, somebody brings you the wrong order, right? sure, and you and you you wig out and you flip out and you're you know <laughs> and it's like, listen, right, perspective here, right. right, right. One, somebody else is making your lunch, man. That's right. Like you, you know, if you want to, if you want it done right, go home, make it yourself, right. <laughs> but but two, just the idea of. When I'm out and I want to show people what a man looks like, mm-hmm. right, if, if somebody brings me the wrong food, right, it's like, one, I mean, I'm just grateful to be eaten. You know, right. there pretty much isn't any food that I won't eat, right? Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, so, except for Brussels sprouts. Brussels, Brussels sprouts, food. no, right, go, no, for no go for me, no you. go. Right, but I mean, just kind of the, you know, it, it doesn't mean you can't say, hey, you know, hey, this is the wrong thing, can you send it back? I mean. To endure joyfully, right? I think the the idea is to have an attitude, right, of peace and calmness and patience, mm-hmm. uh, in the midst of a uh, of a trial, in the midst of a difficult situation, right? And the and the thing is, how do you develop that? Yeah. Right. How do you take a young person who? Um, their parents are giving them everything that they want when they want it. That's right. Right. Well, you know, when they're pushing them through the, uh, you know, the grocery store and kids screaming and you're like, yo, what do you want? What do I have to do to get you to be quiet? Yeah. Right. You begin to develop a pattern in their life that um, I know that when I want something, when I yell, when I scream, when I right, then I get my way. Mm-hmm. How do you take that same kid and say, hey, hey. To be a man means just the opposite. Right. To be a man means you don't yell and scream, even if you don't get your way. Yeah. How do you begin to develop that character in a young yeah, person? I, I,
2: well, <laughs> I, think, I think part of it is, is as a parent, you learn to say no um, to things. Uh, but <clears throat> I think the other side of that is is actually, and this can go from a A parental standpoint, but also just like if you're a young boy out there right now and and you want to find out what does this mean for me to enjoy, endure joyfully, Um, do things that are hard, like do things that you know you are not good at or that you could potentially fail at. So one of the things that we do with with our seventh grade boys here is we take them to a place called man camp. Uh Oh, right. And so at man camp, (laughs) I I tell the parents, I I said, here's the deal is that you've entrusted your boys to me for the week. Uh, My job is to take them out of their comfort zones uh, and in a controlled environment, allow them to experience what failure feels like. Not, not because I want them to drown in failure, but rather I want them to learn from their failures so they might grow and, str- and be stronger on the backside of that failure, yeah. right? That, that, hey, when you face a fear or you face something that you're not good at, well, one, you learn something about yourself, but two, you're going to figure out how to adapt and adjust. You're going you're gonna, to—I mean, at the end of the day, I think all of us can agree that probably the greatest lessons that we've learned in life have come through our failures, through things that we did that, well, we just didn't do them well. Uh, and so when I fail, uh, can I get back up? Can I make an adjustment? And then can I go be successful after that? Yeah. So,
1: okay, so here's the thing. Man camp is, is a great description, right? Because, yes. you know, my my, uh, my youngest, my seventh grader just went through man camp. Yes. Uh, and it is funny when, uh, when you know, the kids talk about it mm-hmm. um, and the parents, as, as you're, you know, laying out the, you know, hey, here's the vision for man camp. And the parents are all sitting around thinking, uh, I remember um, – you know, a couple couple months ago, as you, as you were describing man camp, and I remember sitting around some parents and, and them thinking uh, and s- actually saying out loud or, or kind of saying to each other, like, you know, hey, you know, let's say their kid's Johnny, right? You know, mm-hmm. Johnny Johnny can't do that. Like, yeah, right. this is going to be uncomfortable for Johnny. You know, I don't know if Johnny should go. And I, and I think one of the, the amazing things is every once in a while there's some parents who they don't want to send their kid to man camp, right? <laughs> because they don't think their kid's going to like it. Right. And, and... That's the very thing that you're saying is, yeah, that's the point. Right. <laughs> that, right. Right. There's, there's gonna. Hey, here's the deal. There's going to be trips later, right, that your kid's going to love. That's right. Right. There's going to be tri- trips in high school that they actually get to pick and say, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Right. Right. But what you want to develop at a young age is right i want to send you somewhere not because you want to be there but because it's good for you that's right because you're learning principles and traits that that are going to be helpful for you in life that's right and i think that's the concept from a parenting perspective right that here's the deal if you had parents who didn't do this for you you mm-hmm. got to do it on your own yeah sure you got to do it sure. on your own right if you want to become a man right you got to put yourself in situations where you say okay i've got to learn i've got to grow i've got to mature which means sometimes i got to do things, i got to say things, i got to be around people, right? They're going to help me be a better person, and I'm not always just going to like it all the time. Right. Right? One of the things we, we talk about reading. Right. Right? And <laughs> how, how men don't like to read. Right. Right? I mean, I you know, one of my favorite questions for kids, right, when I have them in their high school, I'll, I'll ask them, you know, what are you reading? Yeah. And, I mean, inevitably if I'm talking to a boy, right, it's, well, I don't like to read. Mm-hmm. And my response to that. So if I, hey, Gabe, what are you reading? And your response is, I don't like to read. Right. Right. It, it's it's funny because it's like, we're talking about two totally different things. Right. Right. Like, what? I didn't ask you what you like to read. Right. I asked you, what are you reading? Right. Right. And so it's, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the person who wants to get in shape and they go to the gym. Right. And the trainer says to them, hey, here's what we're going to do to get you in shape. And you're like, yeah, I don't like those things. Yeah, that sounds hard. Yeah, that sounds hard. I don't, I don't want to do those things. It's like, well, then why are you here? Right. Right? Why are you here? Why are you here? Right? Because you're here to do something that you don't like to do to get the results that you actually want. Right. Right? If you could do them on your own, you probably would. Yeah. But a lot of us have trainers in our lives who give us things to do that we don't like to do, but we know that we need to. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that's the concept is, you know, you if you want to endure joyful, if you want to Uh, create an attitude right that regardless of the situation that you're going to be in that you're going to uh, be patient and understanding and calm and collective in the midst of that that that's what it means to be a man Mm -hmm. that you're going to go through a difficult time but you're not going to let that time define you that's right right that that you need to start putting yourself in those situations right and saying hey I got to learn how to do that right right so I got to look for those opportunities I got to do those things um I remember um uh, I can't remember who who it was it said was talking about you know just how men drive mm-hmm. right and he's just like um I mean the the last thing to get sanctified on a Christian man is his right foot you know because you know he's sitting there hitting that gas pedal and I remember um you know I'm Italian and so I don't know what it is about Italians but you know we're just we're fantastic drivers <laughs> and and nobody else is right 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 and, and I remember um driving with my wife right and somebody like you know, was, was in the right lane wanting to go left. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they st- stuck on their blinker at the last second, pulled in front of us and different things or whatever. And I remember, you know, saying something to my wife like, I mean, just look at that, right? And her comment to me was, how do you even know who that person is?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How do you know that that's not some person, right, who's new to the city, they're lost, they, you know, oh, there's my exit, I got it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And all of a sudden you, you begin to have empathy and put yourself in the other person's position and say, am I really in that big of a hurry to get somewhere mm-hmm. that I can't you know, slow down a little bit, tap my brakes and just say, Hey, no problem. Right? right. You know, you, you, you go ahead and go first. And I thought the undi- the, the idea of men enduring joyfully, right. You need to put into a, a, a real practical perspective of your own and just say, what are the things that bother me that if I really thought about it, shouldn't. Right. Right. Where are the places where I'm impatient with other people when in reality, Right. That shouldn't be a big deal to me. Yeah. Right. When I'm driving and somebody cuts me off, it's like, man, I'm, I'm just I'm so glad you got to where you're going and I'm getting to where I, I'm going. I mean, who cares? Right. Right. What a, what a joy that we're all driving on the road and we're safe and healthy. You ever been in an accident? Yeah. Man, that's the worst thing. Right. Yeah. Getting cut off is not the worst. Getting hit is worse. So you know, maybe our, our action plan for this one. Right. Is, you know, men enduring joyfully. Right. Is look at the places where you. Um, where you find yourself to be impatient,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right, and and really be mindful and prayerful about those situations, and say, okay, I'm going to do this differently this time. Yeah, right. I'm not going to be impatient with, not just you know maybe a mistake that I made, but even if somebody else made the mistake. Right, right. That I'm going to learn to enjoy, do, endure joyfully, and I'm going to learn to be patient, even if it's not my fault.
2: Yeah, it, well, and part of the enduring process, right, is just tr- trusting the sovereignty of the Lord. Right. Whether it's you lose a job, uh, you know, we're talking about some of these like little things like yeah. somebody serves me my, my steak cooked at the wrong temperature. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, be relaxed and calm and ask for them to cook a little longer. Or maybe, you know, just bring out a raw one for you, Dan. I don't right. know. But, I love them. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, like when, when big things hit. Right. Yes. If we've trained ourselves, OK, um, you know, I, I'm just thinking about some boys that we had this year at man camp. They were on the high ropes course, scared to death of heights. Right. But but I was so proud of so many of them because they got out there anyways. Yep. Right. They just trusted the process that, hey, if I can't get out, number one, I'm going to have I'm going to have my Beautiful. my teammates yep. that are going to be encouraging me along the way. And should I really run into a place where I'm really, really stuck, which some of them did. Right. Well, we have people there that are trained to come and rescue you. Right. And it's the same way with just about any aspect of our life, right? Is that no matter how big the trial, right, we can trust the sovereignty of the Lord in those situations and we can trust that, hey, there is going to be another side of this and that other side, I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to learn some perseverance through this time. Uh, And at the end of the day, sometimes God will give us these trials in order to to kill that pride in us, right? Because if we only do the things that we're good at and that we want to do, right, then this bolsters up a great sense of pride that, hey, we can accomplish anything, but it's because we haven't challenged Ourselves yet. Yeah,
1: I think I think of the biblical story where you know Jesus tells the disciples to get in the boat; they're going to the other side, uh-huh. and he falls asleep.
2: Right, and the yeah. storm
1: storm comes, and everybody freaks out. That's right. Right, and the only one not freaking out is Jesus because he's asleep. All right, and when they wake him up, right, and he's just like, shoot. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, okay, wind, waves, be calm. Right. right, and he looks at him, and he's just like, you have no faith. Right. I mean, what what in the world? And the idea of what it means to be a man is trusting that the process that God has you in, right? He's going to get you to the other side. Mm-hmm. You you may be in a storm, and, and don't discount, right? I mean, it's, it's a storm. Right. But if Jesus is sleeping in the storm, what does that tell you? He's still there. Yeah. He, he's there <laughs> with you, right? And here's the thing: you're not going to control the wind of the waves. That's right. <laughs> so you going berserk doesn't help the situation at all. That's right. Right? It, it doesn't. It doesn't accomplish anything. Right. Trusting in Jesus, saying, "Hey, I'm going to get you to the other side." So it may look rough right now, but guess what? We're going to get to the other side Mm -hmm. because I'm with Jesus. That's right. right? So learning to trust—that's how men endure right joyfully. Right, Mm -hmm. trust, obey, walk in the ways of the Lord. Find a place where you're impatient this week, right, and work on that patience. That's our goal.
0: Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also. Check out additional content on our website trainingformanhood.com. That's training the number 4 manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.